So you don't have 12 hours to sit down and listen to 12 conversations with CMOs, but you want to. You want to have that conversation with the big chief marketing officer. Well, I've got great news for you. You don't have to. You can listen to one Toddcast. That's right, one Toddcast, where we review all that was great and good and golden from a series of conversations with 12 amazing CMOs. And to cap it off, I brought one of them back, Christine Crandell. She's back to talk about the emerging trend that's taking the C out of the CMO. Want to know what that means? Well, you've got to listen to this one, but just this one, all today on the Toddcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Will. Todd Will. Hello and welcome to the Toddcast. Yes, it's a Toddcast, not a podcast. This is where I share my point of view, my perspective, my insights. And today is a very special Toddcast because I've got someone on with me. We're going to bring Christine Grandel on here in just a minute. Christine has been a regular on the show. We've done a lot of work with her in the past. She is going to share some insights on a new trend, something that we've identified we've been talking about here in the marketing organization, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about a few things that have happened over the last few weeks. First, I need to tease out because I am super excited. The CEOs are coming. That's right. The CEOs are coming. Nine consecutive weeks of CEOs and advice from the corner office. These are names that you know and recognize. They're brands that you know. They talk about everything from business analytics to bespoke retail. That's right. That's a thing. Bespoke retail. And I had deep conversations with them. How do you get your way up to the top? How do you stay at that top slot? And then how do you transition the role? What's it looking like to hire that CMO, launch your product, or just learn how to navigate and turn those lemons into sweet, sweet lemonade? Well, the CEOs share all of those points of view on transition, transformation, and tenacity. That's right, the big T's. And they're going to share those in nine consecutive weeks of CEO chats coming up. So if you have not subscribed on your favorite channel, whether that's on uh, iTunes, whether that's on Stitcher, whether that's on Google Play, or whether you've just gone on to foundersplace.co, please do so and subscribe and start getting those weekly drips of CEO conversations. These are the conversations you wish you could have with your top leader. And also, and this is where it gets really interesting, we had 12 phenomenal weeks of CMOs. That's right, three full months of CMO talks. We had interim CMOs, first-time CMOs, long-standing CMOs, CEOs that went to CMO, then back to CEO again. We had a few CMOs who are CMOs of CMOs. I mean, we're talking lots of C-level acronyms there. But if you've got a mix of CMOs, they were on the show And they talked about pretty much everything, but a couple of really good highlights. One, and we started with this fantastic conversation with Jerome Nadal, who's the CMO of Rambus. And he talked about this idea of scarcity and abundance modeling. And it's all about your mindset. It's how you view things. Do you view things as there is scarcity in the world or do you view things as their abundance? And based on that view, that transitions to everything that you do as a leader, as a business leader, and as a marketer. Fantastic interview. I strongly suggest you listen to it. Then we had Britta Meyer come on. She was the former CMO of WageWorks. 
And she talks about this transition of marketing as the hub for your business, how marketers have this insight from the customer and all these other parts of the organization, and they become the center point to help drive and build your strategy. Aaron Stout came on, talked about balance and goal setting, this idea of life as a series of trade-offs. If you don't have a goal, if you don't have a strategy, you can't make decisions on where to have those trade-offs. You might go to an event and pull in 5,000 leads, but you could have spent that same amount of money and done a digital campaign and brought in 50,000 quality leads. Which one's the better one? If you don't have a goal or strategy, you can't make that decision. Uh, good friend, great person to have on, Shani Benzur, who is at Crunchbase, talks about the art and science of marketing. Sometimes we make things overly complicated. She looks at it very simplistically. What's the one thing you're trying to solve? Go solve that one thing first and make sure that you're always looking at it, not just as pretty pictures and not just data, but this blend of art and science. And then lastly, to, to highlight is Seth Greenberg. You know, Noska te ipsum, know thyself. Seth has this great perspective on delivering the perfect fit in the organization. And if he says it's a balance between fit and subject matter expertise, he will go with fit every single time. That's right. If it's between fit and subject matter expertise, you can't have both. You can only have one. Go with fit all the time. And he explains why. So 12 great CMO interviews. But you know what? I've got one of the people that was on there. Christine, welcome to the Toddcast. You were on. You did a fantastic interview. Instead of me doing the rehash of what you talked about, let's hear it from the proverbial horse's mouth. Christine, give us an insight on what did you talk about during your podcast? Oh, Todd, thanks for having me. This was so much fun, and I'm glad to be back. I talked about strategy, and I talked about um how strategy is really the core of business and you're in business to affect change, to have a mission. It's not about profit. Profit is a fuel to um, the fuel that drives the business, that drives your ability to, uh, to, draw, to achieve your mission. And we also talked about the different ways of actually doing strategic planning. It seems to be a bit of a lost art at times and how the CMO can actually drive that by being the change agent internally for participative, uh, as I know is a hard word, we struggled through it the last time, <laughs> participative planning where it really is a negotiation between leadership and rank and file. So everybody's on the same page all the time. Uh, and that includes some accountability and a good dose of transparency. Perfect. Well, you had a fantastic uh, interview. We, we had a great time on that conversation. And it is one of those things where, you know, I love how you talk about this as the fuel, right? If we're thinking about strategy, um, strategy is a truly lost art. And most organizations say, well, yeah, I've got a, I've got a strategy. You know, our strategy is to have 12% growth by the end of the year. Again, not a strategy, something we spent a lot of time talking about at the, uh, on the podcast, and I'm glad that you got to come back and do a little bit of recap. But that's not why you're here. No, why you're here is to talk about this thing that you and I have been talking about for a while. And I'm going to tease it up, but I, I think this is going to be the healthy dose of conversation that people are really waiting for. And this is the idea that the CMO is in a diminishing role. That as much as marketers love to believe that marketing is taking on a greater role and responsibility, there's a lot of organizations that have actually gone in a different direction. You know, GoDaddy now has their CMO reporting to the CRO, the chief revenue officer. 
Microsoft for years had the CMO reporting to the COO. And, you know, recently a company who I, I won't name publicly but is a you know, $300 million B2B SaaS company um, just shifted to make the CRO the head of marketing and sales and put the CMO under that person. And we've started to see this quite a bit over the last few years where marketing has taken a diminished role to be under either operations or revenue, or they still have a CMO, but the CMO's taken a job that um, doesn't feel as much chief anymore. Maybe it's director of marketing, head of marketing, no matter what the title is. So Christine, let's, let's sit down and start talking about this, the diminishing role of the CMO, what's happening, how long has it been going on, uh, what are the, what's the trend here, what's the driver, and what can organizations and marketers do to stay off this new trend and actually bolster the role of marketing in the organization? So let's talk. Yeah, because uh, the great part about this is a good piece of this is actually rooted in strategy. Um, but let's let me go all the way back because I really want to talk about this, this thing about shift versus fad. And, and have a conversation. I remember, what was it, maybe four years ago, yeah, something like that, four years ago or somewhere like that was the rise of the CRO when everybody poo-pooed it. It was, oh, it's not gonna last. In fact, I think I even wrote an article to that effect. <laughs> um, we'll have to go find that and delete that. Uh, and, and it was like, oh, it won't work. It's, you know, it's just a fad thing. It's gonna go away, blah, blah, blah. And it stayed. It had, it's actually that position yeah. has stayed. It's, you know, got different titles. It's manifested itself. And my sense was when we were thinking about this was, wow, is this a fad on the CMO side or is this the shift? And I do think that it is a shift um, partly because it's, it's been self-created, meaning we as CMOs are guilty for having created the situation. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that. And I think partly it's because of forces outside of our control that are much bigger than you and I and the organization or even that the country that we're in. Uh, so really sort of navigating that is, is a little bit more complex. So let me start off with, at least from my view, of how we sort of got ourselves personally, you know, into this mess. And then let's talk a little bit on the global scale. I think part of it is that we continue, and we all grouse about this. We grouse about the CE, the C-suite and the board. They don't understand marketing, you know, and it, they believe it's really all about events and the website and, and who hasn't been in a board meeting where the, somebody in the board has decided to provide commentary upon the colors of your website or, gee, we need a new logo. Um, like logos don't drive revenue. Uh, so I think we as CEO, CMOs have not done a good job of really educating boards and our peers in the C-suite as to what marketing is about and why it exists in organizations. So we have to do a better job at that, right? And, and we have, that is a way of getting these unrealistic expectations that CEOs have that you come in and you're a unicorn CEO and all of a sudden you sprinkle fairy dust all over the place and voila, <laughs> there's going to be you know, quantum leaps in revenue, which <laughs> doesn't happen. Uh, so that's, that's one thing that CMOs have, you know, are responsible for. I think the other is something that I, I'm pretty alarmed about, and it's this over-obsession with data-driven. I mean, data-driven, data-driven, data-driven. And, and really, marketing, let's be clear, marketing is part science, part art, a whole lot of psychology, and a lot of strategy. 
And nothing is always going to be um, quantifiable. One can't quantify every particular investment. And we got ourselves into this, into this situation as CMOs because of pressure from the CFO, from the CRO, from the head of sales, from the CEO who want, who again, didn't understand, doesn't understand marketing and wants to say, if I'm going to give you 50, 60, $200,000, you know, what am I going to get for it? Right. And so instead of saying, look, you know, we think it can contribute to this much in revenue, or we can say, look, it's going to give you nothing in revenue. It's going to give you, you know, a 10 point boost in mind share. You know, we go off and we do this data driven analysis on analytics on typically on data that is less than perfect. And really um, that has, that, that's a rabbit hole because the more one spends going through tactical analysis, the more one loses that long-term strategic view. So as a CMO, your job is to read the tea leaves. Your job is to guide the organization to say, this is what's on the horizon, not in 12 months, but in 36 and 48 months. And this is where we ought to go. So we sort of got ourselves a bit into that mess and got reinforced by the complexity of the channels um, that customers are using. And some channels, you know, are in vogue only for a year and then they go away. And, and between that and all the technology, it's become extremely complex to be, to be a CMO. So, you know, like I said, you know, I don't know how you agree with me, but part of it is we've created this mess. The other well, part of it is- Hold world. on, let me, let me stop you there for a second because I think this is an important part and, and I, I want to make sure that we, we reinforce this because I think it's one of those things where we've, we've seen this happen. And again, you, you called it out so beautifully. We've seen this happen because there was one or two ways that a CMO could go. They were getting pressure from the other parts of the organization that say, look, I want you to prove attribution. Um, it's the Oliver thing again, right? We come in and say more, please. You're always going with your sort of empty cup to the CFO and saying, I want you to give me more money so that I can run these programs. They would ask you to give attribution. And so instead of sitting down and actually being part of the strategic mindset and truly being a C-suite, what we did was became the chief data officer. We became a data scientist for them. We tried to come up with attribution that could showcase exactly what was happening and why. But in the process of doing that, we actually diminished the power of the role. And what we now were was beholden to the whims of, in the direction of all these other forces within the C-suite, the CFO, the CRO, the COO. And we became just a, a data hub for them to prove how much money we were spending and what that was gonna do to drive the business. And so it was almost like we took the C out of our title and just became a chief data marketing analytics officer that was responsible for data and data management. And that's all science. That's no psychology. That's no art. That's none of those other pieces that help give marketing the strength of the role that it has today. All those things were taken away and we did it somewhat willingly because we were solving the immediacy of the problem in front of us and not looking at the bigger, more holistic picture. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And, and, and that's not to make CMOs feel bad, right? You know, mm -hmm. we and I have been in that position and you're looking at the pipeline and you're looking at what needs to be done. And, and you're saying, I got to do what I got to do, right? I, I need to go make this work. And I need to navigate the forces within an organization where you've got possibly one part of the C-suite that, you know, wants branding because they heard their neighbor at the latest barbecue talk about branding and you've got somebody else, you know, at the C-suite wanting something else. And so navigating that 
is part of, you know, is part of the challenge. And CMOs, when they come into positions, right, and this is typically in the startup, um, so we're talking pre-IPO, let's call it pre-IPO, and possibly in the turnaround later stage, you know, come in and immediately zero in on triage um, and where it really ought to be the other way around. It's like, forget the triage, table it. Yes, it's a mess. It's always going to be a mess. You can deal with a mess later and just drive revenue because really that's the only thing anybody cares about. Um, but let's, let's kind of roll back and, and not just look at the forest. Let's look at this continent of forests when we start talking about is this a fad or is this a shift? When I look at other roles, I say I'm seeing similar things happening. Um, of course, you know, it's CMO, ours is always the worst case scenario, but I see similar things happening at a broader scale. Look at the role of the CIO. So this went from being an individual who ran IT, ran the data center, and was responsible making sure your laptop was queued up correctly when you came on board, to now being, oftentimes, being a business advisor. So you're getting CIOs that do not have technical backgrounds in that role because they're viewed as being a business advisor to drive transformation. That is a huge tectonic shift just in the CIO world. Um, and, and so that's analogous, that's another one hard, another hard word, we'll come to that, <laughs> like participatory, okay, we're going to skip that word. Um, and it's now going to, and similar to <laughs> the chief <laughs> uh, um, so I think we need to sort of roll back and start to see what's happening on a broad, on a broader scale. And I'd love for you to also to weigh in because I see part of the world and you see a different part of the world. What I see are companies in an environment in which we are looking at, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, China, or United States is going to continue to be the world leader in the economy. And it's probably not even China. It's looking at the rise of things like Africa. Now, I'm looking five and 10 years out, but it's the signs are there. They've been there for a long time. And so we have an economic shift. We have a demographic shift that's happening in most, you know, first world nations where you've got an aging demographic and you've got, you know, not as many replacement kids. So it probably doesn't sound right, replacement kids. Um, younger generations. And that's changing and they have different values. And, and then I look at new markets. I mean, this, and this, it didn't really hit me until we started working with our, our Australian client in which they're, they do a lot of innovation. And I've been exposed to things like um, space commercialization. I mean, it's a real thing. It's like NASA and Boeing and, and DARPA. And they really are talking about how do we commercialize space? And this is not that crazy stuff about we're all going to go move to Mars. We are talking about asteroid mining. We are so there's, there are whole new markets that are opening up that um, are fundamentally changing this economy. So we talk about a service-based economy. I don't know what the next one is, but it's not going to be service-based. It's going to be something entirely different. And while we may not see it consciously, we feel it underfoot. And I think that's the other part of this shift. And it's happening in the marketing world, which yet again, you know the drumbeat, at least from my, my record, marketers need to be out in front of that. It's not about leads and demand, and demand generation today. It's about that today, plus where are we going in five years or in 10 years' time? But I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, well, and there were a couple couple highlight points here. So, you know, one of the things there was a, a – in fact, it came out today. There was a – and we'll make sure we have it available on the, on the website. There was a LinkedIn study of the 2019 hottest startups, and they listed the top 50 in terms of growth – 
and they looked at a variety of different factors. And the vast majority of them were in forward-thinking, autonomous vehicle, autonomous medical, uh, AI, uh, machine learning, data, et cetera. I'd say there was 60, 65% of the organizations that were the fastest growing companies are now focusing on these new technologies, new markets, new ideas. And you go even a step further and start to look at this next generation coming in of all those things you just talked about, synthetic biology, space commercialization, those things are actually starting to evolve. Now you're taking a workforce that is brought up in a more traditional space. They've risen to the role of CMO and they're taking that same playbook and trying to apply it to new technologies, new spaces, new dynamics, and it doesn't fly. And the second piece of that is what you were talking about in terms of, you know, the dynamic of the changing workforce. And I heard this great quote about millennials the other day that the, the mantra is, you know, we're here for a good time, not for a long time. And the, the meaning from that is there's a little bit of a uh, a, a sourness for a lot of millennials in terms of the future of the, the planet, the future of our society, the future of government, that their optimism is sort of gone. And so now they're looking at, okay, well, how does that change the shift in who I am, what I am, what I do, and how I approach the marketplace? And so now you've got these millennials that have come in with a sort of a different mantra. You've got, again, the, the seasoned workforce of executives that have a different perspective and they have a hard time communicating and connecting with these millennials, whether those people are the ones working for them or whether those are the customers that we're trying to drive and connect to. And again, those same playbooks are starting to fall and falter and the rules have changed. Well, the, the obvious thing is, well, then we will just bring a millennial in to lead our marketing organization. And, and while that sounds like the great approach to do on the, on the surface, just like we've talked about bringing millennial board members on because we want to have that sort of youth and vigor and connection. A lot of those people aren't prepared for the top slot. It's not that they're not smart and it's not that they're not ambitious and it's not that they don't have the sort of, you know, variety of skills. They're just not polished and and ready to take those roles. They haven't been mentored. They haven't been trained. They haven't been given the opportunities to work their way into them. And so we put them into these roles. We expect them to be these, you know, unicorns to sprinkle fairy dust to go back to your earlier statement, Christine. And, and they can't and they fall and fail quickly. And that's why, you know, I'm looking at this Spencer Stewart um, CMO study that came out a little while ago that said there's huge volatility in terms of, you know, top 100 out of the, the uh, 100 out of the top Fortune 1000 brands, and really many of these are Fortune 500s, um, had turnover over just the last year in the CMO ranks, primarily because you're expecting too much of them. They're not given the opportunity to be successful. Um, they're ill-prepared or ill-qualified. And to go to what, you know your drumbeat, Christine, they, they don't have a strategy. They don't have a strategy in place that allows the CMO to come in and be successful or the CMO is not responsible for driving that strategy or they're ineffective for driving it. And, and that's just, it's, it's listing out disaster on all these different fronts. Yeah. And, you know, that's a good perspective. I, I, maybe because I'm always the eternal optimist, I also see that uh, there's a gold lining or silver lining in, inside of, of much of this. If we go back and we look at the typical CEO, whether it's of these amazing startups that you talked about uh, and the industries of the future, they're either, you know, predominantly for they're coming from the engineering side of the house, right? 
And as they grow older, they're replaced by CEOs that are from the finance or from the sales side of the house. So there's still this, this competency gap around how do I actually educate an organization on how to be aligned, right? This has nothing to do with demand generation. It has nothing to do with, with you know, whether my product fit is right or not or whether my roadmap is the right roadmap or not. But it's really about how alignment. And um, I see... I see folks not really understanding how do I actually align individuals? And I think this is a role the CMO can step into because realistically the chief people officer, the head of HR, whatever title you want to give those folks is not stepping into that role because they don't, they have a very different purview of an organization. So when I look at the CMO that says, if I can come up with that vision and if I can explain to the organization, down to your receptionist, and please don't forget your receptionist because she's probably the most important person in the organization, and it's usually a she. Um, you know, this is what's going to happen, right? This is what I see, you know, a year out. This, not not the headline stuff, not like, oh my God, all the jobs are gonna go to robots. Well, no, not really. <laughs> um, but, you know, if we start to lay out what the future environment is going to be like and how we're going to navigate that so people can then identify where they want to fit or fit in or where they can fit in or where they can get additional, let's go to night school, right? Let's go to community college. Let's go to, you know, let's go to Khan Academy, whatever, to build skills. Then people are not quite so fearful of the future and they find that they have belonging because we all want belonging in organizations and mattering. We all want to matter to our organization. So they actually find a way on how to actually align to move forward. And I think that's a great opportunity with the CMOs to step into that in addition to laying out to their peers these are the trends that we see on the horizon. This is, you know, not this is what Oracle's doing or this is what this XYZ competitor is doing. That really is interesting, but it is not necessarily relevant, right? If we look at where our primary markets and our technology markets are going, along with our tangential markets, those markets that push against us, then, you know, CMOS can step into this path to say, I, you know, this is what I see. Some boards will listen to this. Some CEOs will listen to this. Some will not um, because they know what's best. But it's, a, it's, it's an opportunity. But net-net, it's up to the CMOs, I think, to figure out, well, what is my role going to look like in five years? Or what is my successor's role going to look like? Am I going to be shoved down in the organization? Or I'm going to recast this into something else because making it bigger and turning CMOs into growth officer or turning CMOs into being, you know, the, you know, quasi COO clearly has not worked. One of the things I love best about C-Suite Radio, that's right, the best thing about C-Suite Radio is our sponsors. And so because they are the lifeblood of this network and this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you give them a quick listen. Thanks for listening to our sponsor today. Now, back to this special edition podcast. Yeah, you, you raise a really interesting point here, and, and it's one of the ones that I, I think is so important and often missed by marketing executives, where we also have to realize that there's just some organizations, some cultures, some dynamics that we're never going to change. Look, I, I, I know, and I, I did this in my earlier, uh, you know, halcyon days, 
where uh, I, I felt like things were going really well and I was confident in my role in marketing and I tried to change the, the dynamic, the direction, the culture of an organization or of the mindset of a CEO and uh, it never works. You can, you can shift, steer, and guide, but fundamentally changing the DNA of who those people are isn't going to work. And so part of what marketers have to realize, I think, is knowing when you're not going to change City Hall, when it's not going to work to change it, and realizing that do you want to become the diminished role to take the C out of the CMO and just be a head marketer someplace? And if that's okay, that's great. That's a perfect role for you. But if you're constantly going to be fighting those, the, the people in charge of those organizations because it goes against the grain of who they are and what they stand for, then that's probably not the best place for your energies, especially if you see yourself as the CMO we've been talking about. So I think that's a really important key point, too. And one of the things we talked about on the podcast, Seth Greenberg, who was just on a couple of weeks ago, um, he really talked about that, about you know knowing yourself and knowing who you are and what your responsibilities are. So I think this brings up a really, really strong point. I want us to close up here so we don't run out of time because there's a there's an important piece here that we want to talk about, Christine, which is what can we do about it? It's one thing to sort of know it, right? But it's another thing to say, okay, well, what are the next steps that we can do to start to turn the corner here? So before we get into the what do we know, are there any last thoughts you had in terms of kind of identifying this, solidifying it, and making sure that people can walk away and go, yeah, this is really a trend and this is something I need to be aware of? Uh, yeah, I think I have, you know, about five things that I want to zero in on. Before I jump into those five things, so if that's okay, I sure. want to make a, a comment on what, you, on what you just said before. Because I think you raised a very good point. If, if you're in, I have been in that situation. <laughs> and if you're like rowing up, swimming upstream, um, get out. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, sometimes some of us are smart to get out and some of us, you know, are, you know, come from good, hardworking Catholic families and love the guilt and the punishment and stay in a little too long. Um, but, you know, but I, I do want to say that, that there's a, a, as marketers, there's a phenomenal platform out there for people to band together and to start to talk about trends. And what I see in, in conferences, I mean, like look at this podcast, some, you know, what you've done, and this is amazing, right? This need everybody needs to tune into this because here's a community of people where you where marketers can share and share their insight and collaborate and add to the community. Too often times we see I see a lot of the self-promotion. It's normal, it's okay, it's part of the process. But if we kind of air it a little bit as a community, less on the, you know, chest pounding, I'm so great, I walk on water. And a little bit more about, hey, you know, I see this and we ought to like this podcast. We all need to collaborate into it. The tide then starts to change the earth, right? Charles starts to change the landscape versus, you know, one by one, you know, it's all about me. So I know this, you know, this is my little rant for the day. So I'll get off my little high horse here. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good soapbox. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow some soapboxing here. You're sweet. Okay. So there are five things that I kind of see. Um, and I'm sure you see a whole bunch more, but I think the one is in, you know, where I'm going to go here, you know, as a CMO, under, build strength and strategy and strategic planning. I mean, just get it. You know, if you don't know how to do it, call us, right? Or call you and, and, and ask, right? It's art, the art of the long view. You know, Peter Drucker's written about it. Michael Cammy's written about it. There are gobs and gobs of things out there, but you got to get it, you know, um, get 
get a handle on the process, get a handle that works for you, and start tracking proactively these trends. If your CEO doesn't want to hear about it, that doesn't mean you don't track them. Do it anyway. And because it forms this foundation that when you have alternative environments that develop, you have a clear understanding as to what you're going to go do. If all of a sudden China falls flat and Africa rises tomorrow, what is your strategy? Right. If you're all of a sudden your market vaporizes and it's now you're a discrete manufacturer and they're doing construction in space, what is your strategy? So think about it ahead of time so that you're not caught blindsided. Um, and like I said, don't know how to go do that. Lots of processes out there. You know, you know, we can help. Um, I think the second one is something that I've written about, which is about be board savvy. And be proactive in that CMOs come to boards in the board presentations and they don't understand and haven't taken the time to understand the board members' perspectives and the fact that board members don't know dit squat about marketing. And so there is this mixed match, mismatch and, and communication. So um, there's an article out there in CMS Wire that I wrote about. It talks about what are the questions that boards need to ask on the three stages of companies. Go out there, look at those questions and for your stage of company, build your presentations to answer those questions. Don't give them CTRs, don't give them, you know, nobody cares. Um, go give them what the board members need and reach out to your board members with your CEO's permission and say, hey, can, can we start, begin a dialogue. Begin a dialogue because chances are that board member will never admit they don't understand marketing, but they will welcome the education packaged as information. So get board savvy and be proactive. The next is. Well, hold on. Let's talk about these first two for a second. Cause okay. I think these are, these are really key. Right. And, and I want to spend a couple of minutes to make sure that people understand that these are the, these are the steps that we're recommending you start to take to restructure, bolster, support the role of the CMO within the organization. And you're spot on, on this first one around, you know, strengthen strategic strategy and strategic planning. Um, and I know this is your, you know, this is your strong suit, but there's a reason why you built a business around this. It's because for the most part, when, you know, think about a CMO that walks into an organization, the first thing that they do is, yeah, they go and talk to a bunch of people within the company, but they spend their time, effort, and energy going internal to mm -hmm. the marketing organization. And so they, they focus inward. And, and that's a fantastic exercise and will serve them well at some point down the road if they can last. But what they haven't done is found a way to make marketing relevant to the organization. And so if you've got a great run house, again, all you're doing is taking the C out of the CMO and just making you a marketing organization that is really uh, succumbing to the whims, pressures, and directions of the rest of the organization. But if you can come in and establish the strategy for the business, and frankly, why shouldn't you? Marketing has connections to the customer, connections to sales, connections to product. They can easily go out and hear what's happening in the market. You can talk to analysts. In fact, you've got most of those analysts under budget. You uh, have an opportunity to go in and talk to press and media. You have all these conduits of information coming into you. Marketing should be the one driving the strategy conversation for the rest of the business because we are the conduit of all those external pieces. Absolutely. I mean, bingo, you're so right on. And, and 
in, in having been a CMO, right, it's often very, you have all this noise and we get into this mode of urgent versus important, right? Um, I'm going to clear up my email because, you know, you know, 600 emails a day is a lot. Um, we forget about the important, but you're absolutely right. You have to own the customer and with or without sales of support. I mean, that's the one thing for me is like core. You know, you have to be on first name basis with the top 30% of your customers because you can yeah. include those customers in co-creation. And there's lots of examples out there, but bring them in. Let them help you with messaging. They want to do that. Let them help you with what your what the target markets are, what the personas. I mean, we make things too hard for ourselves. And so because we get mired in the tactics, then we aren't able to take the art of the long review and sit back and say, what's going to happen? Um, and it winds up being this hamster on the, on the wheel. So you're, you're spot on with that. And I see lots of lip service. And sometimes it's this, you know, this power to say no, right? And I remember a long time ago, I had, you know, this, this client was fabulous. We clarified this as many years ago in 2000. And I'll never forget, right, there was a phenomenal CMO in place, a very astute, and she said, you have to say no, right? You can't say yes to everything, and you can't say no to the easy stuff. Sometimes you just have to say no to the hard stuff, and you have to delegate, even to people that might not be ready, but it's a growth. So having that strategic view of saying, how do I make space in my life? So I can look down the road and I can be the one that has the intelligent conversation on trends and force the rest of the organization to grow up and force, you know, and sometimes things, you know, you're going to say no. You're going to say no to somebody wanting some, you know, crazy, you know, party, at, you know, in Las Vegas. It was Why is that always where they want to have the crazy parties? <laughs> I don't know, but I don't, I, 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 I don't do Vegas. Sorry. <laughs> Well, so, and one of the things you're, you know, you're, you're also bringing up too is um, this is the, this is the perfect opportunity. And this is, you were talking about from the board perspective of getting out and getting in front of the board. You want to make sure that you're doing it in connection with the CEO, right? You, even if your intentions are good, you want to make sure that the CEO is on board with this because they're the, the conduit for you to have the conversations with the board. You don't want to look like you're subverting that. Um, but, you know, this is a great opportunity to sit down with those board members. And here's the thing I think you and I have both found. When you go talk to them, they may all go, oh, yeah, I know marketing. Or I, I had a marketing role in a prior life. Or, you know, I, I used to dabble in marketing. But everyone's lens of marketing is dramatically different. Some of them will look at it from a branding perspective. Some of them will look at it from a product perspective. Some of them will look at it from a demand gen perspective. And when we go in as marketers and we start talking about all the gobbledygook share of voice metrics that we love to throw out there, the board members, and I've literally seen them do this, start rolling their eyes or start checking their phones because it means absolutely nothing to them because it's not driving the perspective of the business. It's not driving revenue. It's not driving growth. It's not driving customer retention. It's not doing any of those things. It's just marketing manipulation of data. And they can't stand it. And it actually blows back on us and weakens the position of marketers. So your CMS um, wire piece and the points that you're making here about how to come in and be direct and cogent with the board members, build a direct line of sight with them, build a relationship so that marketing can help drive the conversation for marketing, but also set itself, self itself, set itself up for that sort of strategic role down the road uh, is, is so key. 
Yeah, you know, and I think for a lot of board members, sorry, for a lot of CMOs, let me restate that. For a lot of CMOs, um, especially if you're in California, right, or if you're in New York and some of the states, there are, with the shift in in, uh, companies looking to put more diversity on their boards, there's cropped up now a whole vast array of knowledge, everything from NACD, which has been around for a long time, but even to like law firms and accounting firms that offer these, you know, roundtables and these events on really trying to educate board ready uh, uh, folks or people that aspire to boards on really what is involved in governance, right? Because the governance is a very different discussion at the board level than happens operationally. So my suggestion to CMOs is whether you're ever down the road interested in board seats or not, but just to kind of understand what governance is about at the board level is go to those things. Just to understand what it means that I have a fiduciary responsibility or, you know, to the company um, to that I am really, as a board member, I'm a partner to the CEO, right? So there's understanding those relationships really equips the CMO to be much more astute when they start to interact with the board member and much more astute in counseling the CEO on really how to present strategy or how to present these trends in such a way that the board will actually be receptive and will listen and, and you know, digest this information. So, you know, it's, you know, and again, if you don't know how to go do this, CMOs, talk to Todd. You know, there's, there's help out <laughs> Todd's a fountain of all knowledge, but no, really, no, really, you know, this is not virgin territory. There's lots of best practices out there. There's lots of things that have already been done. Don't try to forge it on your own. Go get some help. Um, and so be board active, be yep. and proactive, you know, get a grip on, on your strategy and do it. Don't leave it, you know, don't kick it to the weekend because you know it's not going to happen. You know, leave the triage to later. Focus on focus on building your credibility by driving revenue, right? Because that's really the only thing that people care about. Once you got that political cred under under your belt, then you can go back and do, do triage. And like you know, like you said, Todd, own the customer and involve the customer. They want to be involved. Well, let's let's talk about these two here, because and then we got one more that we want to try and spend a little time on. So, you know the. Again, we talked a little bit about the focus of CMOs to try and and go inward, right? To go introspective into the marketing organization. And and that sounds like a natural first step. I mean, I've done it as well. I've fallen into that trap. Uh, I've seen other people do it. I've seen uh, quite a few CMOs die at that and have those 18-month tenures that we all hear about because they straightened up the internal aspects of marketing they focused on the people because they knew it. It's their sweet spot. Look, they came up through it. They know the routines. They know the people. They know the lifestyles. They know, they know everything about the inside of marketing organizations, so they can go in and fix that. So it's easy to go in and fix it, but the problem is nobody cares. It's just like when we go to a board and we talk about our share of voice being up, or we go to a board and we talk about you know, how everyone loved the cocktails at the last event that we put together they don't care because it doesn't fundamentally matter to the key things that the business is trying to drive. Again, it's that strategy. What's the strategy of the business and how is marketing impacting it? And so if you come back and say, hey, I built a really great marketing organization and the team loves me and it's fantastic, they don't care because it doesn't do anything for them. And so I, I think there's something about 
putting that stuff on the back burner. You're spot on correct. And then I want to talk about the branding too, but I, I feel like you want to jump in and say something here. Yeah, I do want to say, and then I think where the disconnect starts to happen is in, in the interview process, right? You and I have both gotten these job specs, right? This is it where, you know, you, you need to be, <laughs> you need to be able to build a world-class team. You need to drive internal change. It's internal, internal, internal. And then you talk to the CEO, you talk to the head of sales and, Tell me you haven't heard, God, our website is awful and we're losing deals and we're losing leads because of our website. So everything in the interview process is, again, it's this, you know, this neon sign going, marketing organization is totally messed up internally, 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 go fix, go fix, right? And so it really takes a very self-aware and tuned in CMO to go, uh-huh, uh-huh, absolutely, absolutely, we'll fix that, we'll fix that, knowing as not really what they're looking at, right? Yeah. So. yeah, that's that's spot on. Like it's having that, again, it's that know thyself, right? And know the role. If you know that what they're saying is, yes, I want you to fix this, but the end result is I want you to fix it because these things are broken, go fix those things, right? That's the piece to go focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll just spend a second on this, but the, the branding piece is another interesting one as well. You know, uh, I was at a couple of organizations where they, um, they said, Hey, we, you know, we need a new brand. We need a new logo. We don't like the colors. It needs to be refreshed. I, again, you said it earlier in the, in the podcast, uh, we, we don't drive because of a logo. Now, sometimes the logo gets in the way. Sometimes the name gets in the way. That's fine. But, I was at the last place, spent close to half a million dollars on a new, you know, branding that they didn't have and fundamentally didn't make any difference at the end of the day. And so as marketers, as we come in and start looking at this, branding is nice. It's great. And look, I'm a brand person. I love brand. I, uh, it's my sweet spot. But branding really needs to take one of the last steps of all the things you're doing as you come in to establish credibility to establish the role of marketing and to give yourself the C in the CMO title, branding seldom comes in the top five. No, totally, totally, totally agree, and totally agree. It's it's the fun stuff though, but it to- I totally agree with that. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that it is the fun stuff, right? Because the other stuff isn't necessarily as fun, but it's more it's more valuable. So you're saving you're saving your toys for later, right? When you've got the credibility and you can spend time to play with those toys, but but right off the bat, you got to put the toys in the box. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about these other. We, we talked about customer for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one that baffles me. And, and again, it's one of those where I get it, right? We're inward focused. We're talking about building the marketing organization and, and straightening up our internal house. I can't tell you how many times I've been in companies that we just didn't talk to the customer. It's actually part of the reason why I left big enterprise companies because I love the role and I love the trappings of it, but I never got to talk to a customer ever. And I thought there was something fundamentally wrong with that. So, you know, you're spot on. Talk to your top 30%. Know who they are. Why are they buying? Be that voice of the customer, whether that's in your role or not, because that's going to help you drive product. It's going to help you drive sales. It's going to help you drive messaging. It's going to help you drive customer success. You become really that hub and spoke that we've been talking about and what most marketers want to be, but they aren't because they don't understand the customer. And when a salesperson can sit in a, in a boardroom meeting or they can sit in a, a C-suite meeting 
and say, you know, actually that's not what I'm hearing from my customers. That's why they're buying. And you're wrong. You're going to lose that argument with the CRO and you're going to lose all your credibility. Uh, absolutely. And you raised a really, really good point because the sales guy is a storyteller, right? And so he's going to sit in here and, and, you know, and say, well, you know, I won this deal. And he's going to tell a little story about the deal and about the customer because, you know, it becomes positioned as the, the, the most fabulous, the most amazing friends and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, the CMO needs to take a page out of that. And again, we've become so data-driven that we go back to the dashboards because that's what we've been asked for. And we oftentimes forget that it really is about storytelling. It's going about and saying, I went to go and I visited 30 customers. We have a client now that is the VC Animal Hospital and the head of customer experience. Um, I, you know, I told him first 30 days he started, you know, you need to go out and visit at least half of those hospitals. It's 450 hospitals, right? And he, it was an amazing experience. He came back and like, oh my God, I had no idea just in terms of what was legend or myth um, in, re, in, in what was reality. So um, it's important to tell those stories when you get in the boardrooms, but, but anyway, own the customer. If you don't know how, we can help you. And I just, one last thing I want to just throw out and I don't want to belabor the point because it's been beaten, the horse has been beaten to death. <laughs> but get your data house in order. I mean, really, really, really marketers don't do it yourself. Just, you know, outsource it, give it to somebody else, but just get your data in order because garbage in, garbage out. And it's, it's you know, it, 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 it just fuels the, the credibility problem, you know, with your peers and with your, and with the board. Yeah, you know, it's, you, you're right too on the one thing you were closing out with with the, with owning the customer. I mean, I think it's one of the things that you and I have done really well at is finding ways, especially as the third party advocates to come in and understand that voice of the customer. What's the customer want? What are they buying? What are they looking to do? Why are they excited about you? What are the turnoffs? And really getting that objective third-party view is so crucial, and I've seen it work so well in, in organizations we work for. So, you know, I, I'll stress on this one. This is one of those things where we definitely can help and happy to come in and help you run those programs and get a better sense of who, who your customers are and what the customers are like. And then to round out on this one on, on the MarTech stack, I think, you know, Christine, you and I could do an entire Toddcast just on the MarTech stack, and maybe this will be one we'll do as a follow-up. It really is one of those things where it's caused a dynamic shift in the role of marketing for good and bad, but it's had such an impact that I think has gone understated. Uh, there's now 7,000 companies in the MarTech stack it's become so complex and so uh, disruptive and, and diverse that it's a real headache for marketers to try and manage. At the same time, from a perspective of the, you know, the external, so the CEOs and the board members, they're looking at it like, well, wait a minute, there's a solution that can do this for us. And I see all these solutions out there and I see all this marketing and advertising about what great solutions there are. Why don't we just have those things in house because they make it all look so simple. Mm -hmm. And so what's actually gotten more complicated on the surface for others actually looks more simplistic. Mm -hmm. And therefore I think it plays into the diminished role of the CMO because you're like, well, we've got tools for that. Why do I need a CMO to come in and run all of this? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really crucial that while we're saying, yes, you have to go in and do all these external things, 
knowing your MarTech stack and making sure that you don't have huge gaping holes in your, in your data, in your attribution, is really going to help you long term. You've got to balance against these other things. But this is one that if you can't do this and do it well, if there's huge gaps here and you can't have people come in and help you fix this, I think you're really setting yourself up for failure. Hmm. I don't disagree. You know, I don't disagree. And yeah, we'll have another conversation. Otherwise, <laughs> it's going to go on for hours. <laughs> well, let's let's do this. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up because we're running out of time. Um, there's you know a couple of things. We'll make sure that the Spencer Stewart report and some of the graphics there on on the changes in the role of CMO are out there. We'll make sure that that's available on the on the podcast or on the website. Um, again, we've got you know nine weeks now of we've been talking to CMOs. We've got nine weeks of CEOs coming. If you've wanted to sit down and have a conversation with your CEO and haven't been able to get past their um, their admin to do it, this is your way around it. So nine great, amazing conversations with CEOs are coming up over the next few weeks. The series on CMOs is now available on the podcast. You can find it on foundersplace.co. Christine's interview is key. I would listen to hers for sure. And then this one, we talked a lot about the sort of diminished role of the CMO, how they're getting put into or subsumed by these other organizations that as much as we like to think we're partnering, we may actually be um, losing ground in the role and taking the C out of the CMO role. And why this is, well, there's a lack of strategy, a lack of planning, uh, a lack of opportunity for us to understand what's happening in the market, to understand the new dynamics of uh, uh, younger generations coming into the space and to also understand some of the shifting demographics. You know, Christine talked a lot about U.S. and China and even Africa that are starting to grow. We gave you five really great ideas on how to start changing this trend, building a strategy, getting really savvy, sophisticated, and proactive with your board, leaving the triaging, the branding stuff for later. It's fun, but it should go lower on your list truly owning the customer and then getting your data house in order. And I'd like to say those five things again, we're going to repeat them. Strength and strategy, savvy with your board, leave triaging for later, own your customer and get your data house in order. And if you can find those five things in your repertoire, you're going to have a much healthier tenure as a CMO. You're going to see your role increase and expand and you're going to add that C back into the C-suite, the CMO role. Um, Christine and I are absolutely here to help. We have strength and responsibility with other organizations in all five of these areas. And we would love to sit down and have a conversation with you on how we can help, even just an informal conversation to steer and guide or to sit down and see if there's something we can do longer term. But we're here to help you so that you don't have to go at it on your own. You can find Christine on the website, but easiest way to get a hold of us is just reach out to foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And our names, emails, addresses are available, but easiest is Todd M. Wilms at foundersplace.co. We'll be happy to sit down and have a chat with you. Christine, any last closing thoughts before we wrap up? Oh, the only thing I would have to say is, you know, CMOs, you can do this. Look at what you've done. Look how far you've come. You can do this. It's, it's sounds, maybe sounds a little scary. It's not. Just, you're just going to have to make a commitment one step at a time every day. Make it, make sure you focus on the important over the urgent and don't be afraid to ask for help. Love it. All right, Christine, thank you so much for hopping on. Such a great conversation. Look forward to having you out again as we do more things the remainder of this year. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one. 
You've been listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.